The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. You ever spend the weekend watching sports on TV and looking at the players, wondering how they move together so fluidly, how they're all in sync, and then you wonder, you know, why doesn't your own team work well together? so that you get better results? I wonder that, I'm sure you wonder that. And to answer that and address these issues for us is uh, former Denver Bronco, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowler, Carl Mecklenburg. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joel. Hey, this, so first of all, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, We know each other outside of uh, this interview and uh, we had lunch recently and talked about doing this. And so I'm I'm delighted that you're here with us. What, uh, what's it like uh, when you're at, at the height of your game and you get to the Super Bowl, I mean, that's a tremendously big deal. You've, had, you've been through one playoff. And I, I, what's great about the playoffs in, in, in football is it's the do or die every weekend. Right. And you get to the final do or die and you die. What's, what's that <laughs> terrible situation? What's that like? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, the first time, uh, and, and like you said, I have lost three of them. Um, and had never won one and lost three of them badly. Um, and, and the first time I really thought the sun wouldn't come up the next day. I mean, you put so much effort, uh, starting now. I mean, I I was a training camp today. This is the second day of training camp all the way to February where it is nothing but football. It is dark to dark football. Um, and you get there and then, and, and then something doesn't work out. It's, It's brutal. It really is. But, uh, but the sun does come up. Um, the interestingly enough, uh, uh, the Broncos have won some some Super Bowl since then, so I know some of the guys, and I've talked with them about it, and and they felt the same way. Where where um, they're surprised that everything restarts again, how quickly it happens. All of a sudden, coaches leave, uh, players retire, uh, rookies come in, and and it's a zero and zero. It's over. It was it was over the day. It happened, and 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 then it's time to get ready for the next year. Uh, I, I think you can relate that in a business sense to uh, to losing a big sale, um, having having a, a, a ruling go against you in court, something happening where it's just like you think it's the end of the world, but you know what? The next day the sun comes up, and and it's time to get ready. 
It's time, time to prepare, time to go back to the things that allowed you to be successful uh, and, and maybe a step further. Uh, I think it's an eye-opener when you go into a game like that expecting to win and, and falling flat on your face and, and, and you try to figure out why. You, you self-evaluate, you get ready, and boom, off, your, off you go on next year. You know, thing, the thing that I always wonder, um, and, and in terms of having a great team, uh, you know, when you lose a game like that or any game, you know, whichever game, because you know, and in business, we lose sales, we lose uh, opportunities, we, we try to put together mergers and they don't always go together, whatever the problem is. When people go back to the locker room, the guys go back, do they blame somebody if they drop the ball, if they missed a tackle, if something happens? I mean, is there, I mean, what do they counsel you about how to get along after a big day like that? These guys, these are not the guys with the best manners in the world. I imagine they're. (laughs) You know what? You, you know how to be a teammate by the time you get to the pros. If if you're not a, if you're not um, at least. In, in a football situation, if you aren't a decent teammate, you don't make it that far. Uh, you, you rely so much on each other in a football game. Uh, if, if I'm a pass rusher, which is was one of my hallmarks, I had more sacks than any Bronco in history at one point, um, and, uh, and the coverage is no good, they're going to throw the ball before you can get there, even if nobody blocks you, right? If, so, so I rely on the coverage guys. The coverage guys rely on me because I'm, I'm getting the pressure on the quarterback and then he's throwing the ball before he's ready to, and then they get the interception or they get the knockdown and they get the, the big play. So, so we relied on each other that way. Um, and, and so, so for me, I don't, I, I don't know that it happens. If it does happen, uh, it's very uncomfortable for that player. Uh, and, and, and they're not around very long, at least not. I, not I would, ima- I would imagine uh, everybody drops the proverbial ball every once in a while. And so, you know, to blame anybody ever, uh, you know, it's your turn's coming next, I, I imagine, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joel. Uh, in the NFL, they film everything. They film every game from two different angles. They film every practice. And, and under Coach Mike Shanahan, they even film meetings. So theoretically, you could sit in a meeting watching film of yourself, watching film of yourself practicing, right? <laughs> everything's, everything's on film. Everything's evaluated and graded. And if you grade out 90%, uh, one out of 10, you're wrong, right? Uh, if you grade out 90%, you're an all pro level player. So everybody in that room, when you're going over the film, everybody in that room is getting chewed out. So if there's a, if you did something wrong, they, they got to let everybody else in the room know it too. So they don't make the same mistake. I, I call it a, a sports mentality. Um, if you have that ability to, to take criticism and say, okay, uh, I did this wrong. I'm going to set a goal around this. Uh, so this week in practice, I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to fix it. And next game, I'm not going to make that same mistake. I'm going to make another mistake because because anytime, anytime you're on the field, the chances are you're going to make a mistake. But I'm going to solve that the next time. And, and so let's, so let's, let's, let's talk about um, criticism. And it sounds like it's constructive criticism. I mean, you're getting criticized. You're getting told what to do, what not to do. You're getting this all the time, which is not easy for anybody to take. And right. especially you're at the highest level of your game. So what kind of attitude do you have to have to, to accept openly uh, this kind of criticism? You know, and, and, and how do they frame it so that you don't look at it as a, as a punishment, but rather as a, you know, as a goal for improvement? I mean, how does that all happen? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I do. I do. And that's, that's a challenge. Um, once again, if, if, if you can't function in that environment, it, you're not going, you're not going to be a football player. Uh, you sit, you sit in the room with your, with your peers. Uh, you know, you got seven or eight linebackers in the room. 
The coach is pointing up at the board and saying, Mecklenburg, it's a two deep zone. The tight, tight end's running wide open down the middle. That's your man. You've got to cover him. And I know he's right. I've seen the play back and forth because he goes back and forth over it every time. Uh, so so uh, you can see what the other guys did and they can see what you did. And my natural tendency as a human being is to think that's not my fault. That's not my fault, coach. The defensive end should have jammed him so he didn't get off the line so fast. The outside linebacker is supposed to squeeze him into me when he's going deep like that. Uh, the, the strong safety is supposed to help me. It's not my fault. But a, but a great football player will say, okay, when I get see that formation and when I get in that situation, this is what I'm going to concentrate on. I got to run with this guy as he goes down the seam. And that and and, and you set a goal and, and you and you work on it from that point. So uh, it's it's a matter of you got to understand that that coach is doing that for your best interest and the players around your best interest. He's he's letting you know what you got to do the right and 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 you got to trust that guy. Well, so let's it's, talk it's about been, let's talk uh, about this. Let's I, talk I went about through, this. Uh, now let's talk about this. It's not my fault thing because th- this is really this is a big problem in in, in business and in corporate America, everywhere. And, and so, family, uh, you know, community. so in, in, in a football game, you know, when you say, "Well, it's not my fault because this guy didn't make the block, which made it impossible for me to do whatever I was supposed to do," uh, you know, do they tell you your job is to do do the other guy's job if necessary? I mean, what do, what do they tell you so that you can? I mean, how how do they address that? Yeah, well, they do address everybody's mistake on that play. So if uh, if 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 the quarterback um, didn't read the right defense and get you out of a bad play, um, they talk about that. If the if if the center uh, you know rocks a little bit when he snaps the ball, so the defensive lineman can get off the ball quicker than they're supposed to get off the ball. Uh, they they mention that if if uh, if you miss your block and and somebody gets smeared they're, they're going to mention that if if you if the uh, running back doesn't hit the right alley and set up the set up the block set up the defensive guy the defensive guy is reacting off the running back and 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 oftentimes they'll they'll fake one way and then come back the other way if they don't do that properly uh, then it's really hard for the blocker so if everything is interconnected. Uh, and everything is brought up in those meetings. And, and it's it's not easy. It's not fun. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose. The, the evaluation is the same. Uh, each play stands on its own. Each player stands on their own. And it all comes together as a package as a win or a loss. So 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 for me, that 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 I guess is the best way to to, to answer that question. And you know what's fascinating about this to me is I, I just think that sports is this greatest metaphor for business that there is. I, I, I love the metaphor of sports because everything is so clean and obvious in sports, not quite as obvious in business. But, you know, so you're talking about you're the best of the best of the best on these professional teams playing against each other. And, and it's, it's just at the highest level in business. Uh, you know, they uh, they get their A team of people together. And and one of the things that I just heard you say was that you know if you if your skin is thin if you can't take the criticism if you if you don't listen and you got upset you're not going to continue to survive at that level of play. I, I wonder if we could help businesses uh, to develop a little bit thicker skin in in you know in in being able to take more criticism. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly as a society, it's kind of a problem these days. Sure, sure, and 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 I don't I don't want to. I don't want to mislead you and let you think that everybody had a thick skin. I can tell you I had a thick skin 
I, I got praised every bit as much as, or actually more than I got, uh, you know, dressed down. Um, and, and, and what a, what a great leader, what a great coach does is understand his players, uh, to, to know which guy needs a pat on the back more than he needs a kick in the butt, right? That that's, that's an old saying, but it's true. Uh, if, if you can, if you can understand what motivates your people, uh, it's a lot easier to get the best out of them. Um, I had, uh, four different linebacker coaches in my 12 years with the Broncos and each one of them approached things differently. Um, but each one of them worked real hard to get inside your head enough to, to understand what made you tick and what allowed you to be successful. I needed, if, if I did something wrong, I wanted to know it. I, I don't, I don't want you to pretend I didn't. I played all seven front positions. I, I was lined up all over the place. Um, and, and, and I had to keep a lot of stuff in my mind. And, and if I'm making a mistake, I got to know that because I, I, I may have made it just because I didn't understand uh, because I was I was moved around so much. It's very different when you're in that kind of a situation. And and a lot of people have employees who are asked to do a whole lot more than than other employees. And when you got somebody like that, it's good to let them know when they're not doing things right, because they won't know it sometimes. So where does your attitude of uh, continuous self-improvement come from? I mean, is it something you learned? Is it something that was kind of innate for you? I mean, because that's kind of what you're describing is you continuously want to get better. And the yeah. best salespeople should want to get better. The best executives should want to get better. The, the, the best accountants should want to keep getting better. I mean, everybody should want to keep getting better, but not everybody does. So, you know. Wow. Where did that come that? from? I, I think from my parents. Uh, yeah. I think from the mentors I had. Um, I think, I think from, uh, and, and I can't, I can't pinpoint an exact moment, but, but somewhere along the line, I, I picked up the attitude. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something the best I po- can possibly do it. Um, uh, and it, and it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, if, uh, being a father, uh, being, being a, uh, a professional football player, being a professional speaker, um, there's tons of athletes who are professional speakers and, but there's very few of them in, in the national speakers association, right? I mean, you're there with, and, and, and you see them out there and they're, and they're not doing a very good job and you know, they could learn a lot more if they came to the, came to the meetings and, and, and worked on it. Uh, yeah. that that's been my approach and, and, and where it came from, um, my, my parents, um, both of them were raised kind of blue collar. My, uh, my, my dad's dad was a carpenter. My mom's dad was a truck driver. Um, and, and both of them uh, got their college degrees and went on and had very successful business lives. And, and my dad, dad is an obstetrician gynecologist and the head of uh, OBGYN at Fairfax Hospital in, in Virginia, and one of the top two um, birth numbers of any, uh, any hospital in the country. And my mom was deputy secretary of health and human services in the Reagan administration. Um, after, after raising us kids and, and getting a degree in home ec, right? I mean, she, she did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I saw that, uh, self-improvement and, and continuing to climb and work and climb and work. And, and, and that's what I grew up around. You know, it, it, I guess it has to be a value. It's a value, it's gotta be a value of an organization, like, like a, a team when you're on the team that that has to be, uh, you know, something, could you talk about, uh, you know, some of the great coaches that you've had? No, let's not talk about something you didn't like, but to tell us about <laughs> the ones that have styles that really brought the best out of you. What, what was it that they did? Because managers and, and, and executives and bosses that are listening can, can think, what are the great, great coaches doing that bring the best out of these players? Because 
listen, every team, we, we've got a team of salespeople, a team of whatever, we got to bring the best out of these people. How are they doing it? Yeah, Joel, the, the, um, I guess the best way I could, I could describe this is going back to my rookie year. My rookie year, the, uh, the Broncos were owned by a guy named Edgar Kaiser. Edgar Kaiser was uh, a financier out of, uh, out of Canada, uh, didn't know anything about football, really wasn't interested in football. It was an investment. Uh, if I passed him on the street, uh, he wouldn't know I was one of his players. Uh, my rookie year, we had 13 rookies make the team. That's over a quarter of our, uh, of our roster was rookies. Uh, because he was trying to lower the payroll so he could resell the team, right? I mean, our, our our function as a team was to help make Edgar Kaiser money. That that was our cornerstone. That was that was who we were. Um, the next year, we were bought by Pat Bowen. Uh, Pat Bowen made it clear pretty quickly that our cornerstones, uh, our, our 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 core values were were here to serve the community and we're here to win championships. And it started from the top and it, and it went down throughout the whole organization. Um, I think identifying what's what your cornerstones are, uh, what your core values are, um, and making them clear and consistent uh, throughout the organization is is uh, paramount to success. You've got you've got to be clear about those things and you have to be consistent with them. Uh, you can you can put up signs all you want. You can you can talk about it all you want. But if you don't. Um, embody those uh those cornerstones uh in, in everything you do uh people aren't going to follow you but they will if you do and 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 that that to me was the was really the the big difference um as far as coaches go if they were clear and consistent with those same cornerstones that that and the other thing is those cornerstones have to be something that you can align with alignment is a big, big word for me right now um as, as as an employee um if you can align with those cornerstones of your organization, it's much easier to put that extra effort in. It's much, it's, and if it's clear and it's consistent, uh, you, you, you'll work overtime. You'll do whatever you can to help that organization win. And, and I saw that with the groups, that, the teams that I was on. Could you give us um, an example of one of those core values? I mean, you remember what they were and, you know, can you share a couple of those? Yeah. Well, like I said, that, that uh, winning championships, uh, was was it and and uh, serving the community uh, and and under Pat Bolin those things were were paramount. Now he also had uh, commitment and what a commitment to me is is a short term value and for us it was to prepare to win each game. We were expected to do anything we possibly could to prepare to win each game, whether that meant uh, coming in early for treatment, whether that meant watching extra film, whatever it was. Uh, we were going to do that. And interestingly enough, that that commitment um, followed even after Pat passed on. It, it, it was a part of the Broncos organization for a long time. I remember situations when Gary Kubiak was coaching and Gary was a rookie the same year I was a rookie. Um, Gary was coaching and, and it was obvious there, there was no uh, mathematical way the Broncos were going to make the playoffs. And in that situation, what a lot of coaches will do is they'll start, start playing the young guys um, and, and just trying to trying to lose games so you can get a high, higher draft choice, right? That's not the way it worked with Gary. I mean, he was playing the, the starters and he was he was trying to win every game. There was no question about it. He was he he had bought into that, and the whole team had bought into that. And 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 to me, um, that clarity and that consistency makes it much easier for people to follow you as a leader and, and move in the direction you want them to move. Have you seen any companies? Um, 
you know, a, a, adopt the model of the core values, the commitments. You know, have, have you seen any companies do a really good job of it? You know, and you don't have to call out the company, but maybe what are one or two of the company things? I mean, you're inside companies all the time. What, sure. what are some things that you've seen companies do that, that really work that are similar to or parallel to what you just described? Yeah, and I can call out a I can call out a, a specific company that I've worked with multiple times here in in town. There's a company called Innovate. Um, they uh, they uh, do 365 software, um, and and uh, they have an empowerment um, approach that is very different from 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 many corporate structures where they expect. Um, they expect individuals in their company to make proper financial decisions, uh, prop, proper decisions in, in dealing with their people. And, and it, there's not a ton of oversight. It's, it's an empowerment situation. And he's used me multiple times to come in and, and, and talk about uh, this, uh, this empowerment uh, environment that they, that, that, that they operate in. And it's, uh, it's amazing how they've grown through the pandemic um, and, and been very successful when everybody's split up, right? Everybody's in their own home office and, and, and whether you want to or not, they're empowered because you can't look over their shoulder. Right. So, so all of a sudden this empowerment thing has, has really paid off for them. And then they've grown uh, leaps over bounds through, through the pandemic. That's awesome. That That's awesome. You know, I'd like to do something I don't uh, normally do on the show. Um, I told a couple, couple, uh, couple of our listeners that you were uh, <clears throat> going to be joining us. And I asked them if they had any questions and, and the questions started flooding in. I mean, I got a whole bunch of questions. If I could just, would you mind if I ask you just a couple, you know, no, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, actually, and, and I don't know that you're sensitive to this, but one of the things about your uh, wonderful reputation is that you're, you're a friendly guy. You sign autographs, you know, you, I mean, you're, you're just a nice guy. Maybe that's part of your community thing because uh, not all ball players, uh, you know, are the same, you know, but uh apparently you're very nice. And so let me ask you a couple of things. So somebody, uh, somebody asked, who was the toughest guy to tackle? Wow. Um, for me, it's the little fast guys. Uh, there's a guy named Kurt Warner played for, uh, so for Seattle for years, uh, like, like trying to catch a rabbit. Um, <laughs> you know, Barry Sanders comes to mind. He was always a little quick guy. Give me a, give me a big guy who tries to run me over. I'm fine with that. But the, but the little rabbit, <laughs> I, I had a little trouble with those guys. Where was the uh, where was the toughest place to play? Were there any uh, stadiums that were particularly difficult for you? Yeah, you know, um, Philadelphia, just because it was just terrible. I mean, the 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 turf was horrible. the The fans were mean and nasty. It was it was just, it was that we'd go in we'd go in to play Philadelphia, and and the part of the game plan was get it get a lead early. You know, take some chances early because then then their fans will turn on them because <laughs> that's just, that's just how they are. Right. So, so uh, yeah, Philadelphia was probably my least favorite place to play. You know, it's funny. How much, how much impact does the, does the, uh, the crowd have on your psyche in the, in this game? You know, it, it, it has some, um, but on the other hand, as a, um, as a defensive player, uh, they're quiet you know, when you're on the road, they're, they're quiet when, when you're out there, cause they want their own offense to be able to communicate. So, so it's not as, not as difficult on a defensive player as, as, as it is on an offensive player. Now, when we played home games in mile high stadium and, and the other teams got the ball down inside the 20 going into score, 
and and the, the South stands behind me. They're just screaming and yelling. And I still get hoarse from trying to yell over those crazy people. <laughs> my job was to let everybody else know what was going on, right? So, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> kind of as an aside, is the home field advantage a real thing? I mean, I mean, yeah. t- t- tell me about that. Yeah, home field advantage is a real thing, particularly when you play at Mile High Stadium. Um, very educated fans, very loud fans. So it's really it's hard for the offense uh, on of the other team to make adjustments. Um, and that's that's the game of football, right? The game of football is all about adjustments. If you if you time a football game from snap to whistle, so just the time the ball's actually in play, and leave all the other time out, it's less than ten minutes of actual action in a, in a football game. The rest of the time is adjusting and counter adjusting and substituting and, and making changes. And if you can't make those changes on the field, if your quarterback can't make those adjustments, it's a, it's a huge advantage. And then on the other thing is uh, you've got Mahai is huge altitude, right? So people come in and they, they're sucking them and breathe. You know, we, we'd, we'd see them on the other sideline sucking on the oxygen mask. <laughs> we got them now. <laughs> so yeah, that there, there's a, a physiological advantage. Yeah, well, that, no, that, that, that thing's real. I got a couple more questions, uh, you know, from some of the listeners. So uh, are you still involved in football these days? Um, yes and no. I'm not involved in the X's and O's. I'm, I don't coach anymore, but I do spend time, um, working with the Broncos as far as uh, uh, public relations. Uh, if they have somebody rent in the stadium and they need somebody to give a speech, I, I'm probably the first one on the list to come out and do that. I was just, just down at the stadium today, uh, just actually down at, uh, at practice today for, uh, for, for an event. And I've got another one on Saturday and yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm involved, but peripherally. Gotcha. Last question from a listener is, uh, what advice would you give to an up and coming football player? The one, the one thing that, that allowed me to be a great football player. And I wasn't a great football player as a child. And I, and I was a college walk-on and I was the 310th pick of the draft based on my athleticism. So the one thing that allowed me to be an all pro in the NFL was decisiveness, uh, being able to uh, take the first step in the right direction before anybody else did trusting myself enough to do that. And, and to me, that, that thing is what allowed me to have the career I had. Um, decisiveness, I would say, would be, be the number one thing. Well, I'll tell you what, that, uh, that lines up pretty well with business topics too. I mean, you can be the most educated person on the planet. If you're indecisive or nervous, or if you're weak or you know, whatever else you are, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to make it happen. So uh, the best salespeople, the best CEOs, the best executives, the best whatever, uh, they have to be able to make a, uh, a decision. By the way, the best drivers too. You, when you're driving a car, if, you, if you're, you know, if you get nervous, it's not a good thing, right? Sure. Yeah. The 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 first time I met Peyton Manning uh, was at a golf tournament. Uh, they have golf tournaments at the Super Bowl every year, and uh, he was a college senior coming out into the draft, and and then they had some retired guys coming in and playing as part of this, and then obviously paid participants, and that happened every year. And I didn't know anything about college football and I didn't know who Peyton Manning was, but Peyton comes up to me before this thing. Uh, Oh, Mr. Mecklenburg, I love what you did for the Broncos. You had over a thousand tackles and, you know, more sacks than anybody's had and did this and did that. And they started talking about my college career. 
Peyton Manning was two years old when I played college football, right? <laughs> had, but How'd that make you had, feel? Uh, <laughs> right. But what he had done is he had contacted the, uh, the guys in charge of the golf tournament, found out what retired players were going to be there and studied up on us. Um, and, and that was Peyton. It was, it, it, he was the most prepared guy I've ever met in my life. And, and the, the thing about him is that's what allowed him to be decisive. If you want to be decisive, either on a football field or in a business situation, it's all about preparation. It's all about already having thought about a situation, thought about what, what's going to happen today uh, and, and who you're going to meet and how you can help them. And then when the opportunity arises, then you can jump on it. Then you can be decisive. So for me, that that's huge, that the preparation piece and the decisiveness. Yeah, listen, that... Um... That goes a long way in in every aspect of business. So uh, that is uh, spectacular, Carl. You're 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 such a cool, laid back, easygoing guy. I, I so appreciate you sharing with us, and uh, you know, kind of just providing the inside track on on how the whole leadership and team building thing happens inside of uh, of an organization. And that's what we're always looking for on the show is the inside track, and no doubt you put it out there. Thanks, I appreciate it, Joel. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, man, appreciate having you on the show and uh, look forward to, uh, to continue our discussions. Sounds good. All right, man. Thank you. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Audavita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audavita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.